Hi there, it's Melanie White here for another episode of the Habitology podcast and today's topic is really important. It's how to overcome negative thinking. And you might be thinking, well, isn't it normal to think negatively? It is, but let me just say that there are a few things that are making more and more people think more and more negatively these days. And the reason that this is so important, and especially from a coaching perspective, is that whenever a client comes to me, whether they have a problem with their weight or their eating, or they have, uh, they're feeling stuck in their business, the problem is always to do with their thinking, just about always. They're feeling like they can't follow an eating plan or they can't stop eating junk food or they're calling themselves a chocoholic or in their business they might be saying that they're overwhelmed or stuck or procrastinating, afraid. You know, all of these things are caused by thoughts. So I really wanted to create an episode that would uncover, you know, what negative thinking is all about and why we do it. And then to give you 10 really effective strategies, what I would consider to be the 10 most powerful strategies that you can use to manage your negative thinking and to cultivate more positive thinking so that you can achieve all of your goals, whether it's in business or life. This is the one thing that's getting in the way. And I want to give you these 10 strategies that I know have worked for so many people so that you can start making a difference today. Some of them are so quick and easy, and I'm really looking forward to talking you through them. So here's the thing, you know, stress is one of the biggest issues in today's society. I'm sure you'd agree. Nearly everybody says they're busy or overwhelmed or stressed. And you know where stress comes from? Inside your own mind. Stress is actually your perception of your ability to deal with the circumstances of life. It's your sense of whether or not you have enough resources to deal with those circumstances. So stress is caused largely by your thoughts. And there are definitely other sorts of stresses in your life, like pollution and, and poisons and all those sorts of things. But the feeling of stress that you generate is caused by your thoughts. So for anybody out there who wants to lose weight or wants to build a really awesome business or wants to become a great parent or wants to get ahead at work or any other goal, you need to know how to manage your thoughts and particularly your negative thoughts because life is going to bring you good and bad and you need to be able to roll with the punches and handle all of it so you can keep moving toward your goals and actually achieve them. So let's start with a, a definition of negative thinking or negative thoughts. What I've looked up and found is a really interesting one. It's a thought process of lowering your expectations to find the worst in everything or the worst possible scenario. When I read that out to myself, immediately my mind, mind started playing word association games. I was thinking of words like helpless, hopeless, giving up, overwhelmed. It's so funny how my mind just wanted to jump all over that. Just hearing that definition, reading it out aloud, made me feel negative. <laughs> How's that? And, you know, aside from that, let's just look at the facts about our thoughts because before you can make any change, you need to know where you are right now. And so this is where we are, all of us, right now. This is the starting point and it's how we're wired. Some facts about thoughts. In any given day, 
our total number of thoughts that we have in the day is 50,000 to 70,000. That's around about 40 thoughts per minute, nearly one a second. There's so much going on. Our brains are so busy. And 98% of those thoughts we repeat every day. Same thoughts over and over, Groundhog Day. As you could guess, that probably implies that most of our thoughts are automatic. We're doing them unconsciously, and that's right. I mean, they say 98, sorry, 95% of our thoughts and our decisions, emotions, and actions are unconscious. That explains how I managed to get to Bunnings on the weekend without even remembered driving there. Scary, huh? Have you ever had that experience where you're going somewhere and you think, wait, I was so lost in thought. How did I actually get here? That's your brain running on autopilot. So 95% of our thoughts, decisions, emotions, and actions are automatic. And our brains love working this way. Our brains love to be efficient. And so they want to use as little power as possible. Our brains are wired to keep things running on an even, steady, consistent keel. And that's probably why most of our thoughts, feelings, and actions are largely unconscious and decisions. So where does negative thinking fit in? Well, the research shows that around about or up to 70% of our thoughts are negative. 70% of our mental chatter is negative. Most people are somewhere in the range of 60 to 70. And I just want to say like early on in this, in this episode that if you're worried about persistent negative thoughts, if, you lo if you've lost your energy for ev everything in life, if you don't feel like getting out of bed, if you're worried about your state of mind, then you need to do much more than listen to this podcast. You might need to seek help from a GP or a psychologist or Beyond Blue or Lifeline or mindspot.org.au. There are plenty of places that you can get professional help and I would highly recommend you do that if you have any concerns at all over negative thinking and how it's impacting your life. And, it, you know, thinking about all this, this stuff and how easily people become depressed or anxious or worried, you know, why are we doing this to ourselves? What's the reason that we all have these challenges with negative thoughts? Well, there are three reasons. Number one, our brain is wired to keep us safe. Our brain wants us to keep alert for things that might threaten our survival, things that might present a risk. So in the olden days, that was obviously things like wild animals and other tribes. These days, it might be suspicious people or risky circumstances. You know, our body has this innate mechanism to help us stay safe. Unfortunately, media outlets and the like know this and they play on it by putting up negative news headlines which catch attention more than the positives. Have you ever seen a news channel entirely de dedicated to good news? There's not many of them out there. That's because our brains are wired to pick up any sort of risk or threat and that, that negative headline catches attention. The other thing to think about or the second reason that we do this is that we're all wired a certain way. You're either a glass half full person or a glass half empty person. And maybe there are a few people in the middle. And there are things, three things that make that up. Half of that tendency is genetic, according to cognitive researcher Nancy Etkoff. She's done some work in this area. Um, about 30% of our tendency is influenced by our environment. So where we live or what we surround ourselves with, including people. 
and 20% are things that we can control like our thoughts. So that's genetics, our environment and our thoughts all affect whether we're glass half full or glass empty. Most people have the natural ability to catch themselves going down that negative rabbit hole and say, whoa, I need to pull back. Things aren't as bad as I thought they were. You know, I need to calm down. Most of us have that ability. The thing is, when we're under stress, if we don't respond to stress very well, we might lose that ability to seek happiness and the light side of things. So there's some really important research around the way our brain operates under stress and how that affects our ability to flip back to the positive. We're much more likely to seek the positive if we can handle stress well. And remember, stress comes from within. So it's a bit of a circular reference, but one that we can work on. The last reason why we might have negative thoughts is that we have this thing in our brain called a reticular activating system. It's like our GPS in the front of our brain. And whatever you plug in there becomes the destination for your body to work towards. It's the reason why if you buy a Toyota, for example, a certain type of car, all around you, all you see is Toyotas all of a sudden. Have you ever noticed that? That's your reticular activating system in action. It filters in anything that's in your, you're putting into your mind, like the car, and filtering out anything that doesn't seem to take you on that path. So it's the same thing with negative thoughts. If you're well-versed and well-trained and an expert in creating catastrophes in your own mind, like I used to be, then your brain looks for the evidence that that catastrophe is real. It looks for the people who might be thinking things about you or saying things behind your back, or it looks for your history of failures that prove that you'll never be able to succeed in this area of your business. Your brain wants to find that evidence to prove you're right. It's a natural inherent trait that we humans have. So as long as your GPS is getting negative messages being plugged in or outcomes or labels, criticisms, judgments, that's what it's going to be looking for. So the more we look in the negative, the more we will find. In other words, you are what you think. So knowing that, there are some things that we can do to make changes. But before we talk about that, I really wanted to go back to the point that 95% of what we think is unconscious. 95% of our thoughts, decisions, actions and emotions are unconscious. So you may not even be that aware of the way you're talking to yourself. And a lot of the clients that I see as coaching clients, either to do with their health or to do with their business, don't even realise the sort of language they're using. I'll say something like, it's 90 days until the end of the year. And they'll say, oh, there's only 90 days left. <laughs> no one ever says, wow, I've got a whole 90 days. That's awesome. <laughs> You know, they're immediately thinking the worst case scenario and it's, it's unconscious. And so I thought I'd just give you a bit of a heads up that there are some signs and signals, some feelings that you may have, physical feelings or mental feelings that are indicators of negative thought processes. So here they are. Some of the physical signs of negative thoughts and uh, things like you might be someone who overeats, you might be someone who drinks too much. Or you might be someone who struggles with insomnia or a sense of tension in your body, physical aches and pains, tightness, feeling isolated, 
becoming obsessed with online shopping or games, anything to escape reality. Any of those things are physical signs that you're trying to get away from these uncomfortable negative thoughts. Some people call it buffering. And at the emotional level, you might feel immobile, stuck, overwhelmed, disempowered, or just lack confidence in yourself or lack self-belief uh, that you're able to achieve your goals. A lot of the people I work with struggle with self-belief and they lack confidence and courage. And so any of those things can be a sign that you're talking to yourself in an overly negative way. What I've done for this particular episode, and there's a download uh, in the show notes that goes with this, is I've created a little quiz. So you can see what your natural wiring might be. Are you wired to the positive or negative? Are you a glass half full or glass half empty? There's four questions here. I'm going to read out two, four pairs of statements. And for each pair, you pick which one best describes you. Statement A or statement B. So the first one is about your thoughts. Are you somebody who A, tends to notice roadblocks, challenges, obstacles and what's wrong in life or you tend to be amped up and see the positives in life and the good in people? So is it A, roadblocks and challenges is what you see or B, positives and the good in people? Pick one of those and then the second one is about your language. What sort of language do you use most days? Are you A, someone who tends to talk about things that you don't want, don't like, or want to cut out, give up, restrict, or get rid of, or avoid? Or are you someone who tends to talk about what you love, need, and truly desire, what you're really, truly happy about and grateful for? What's the most common language you use? Is it A, what's going wrong or what you want to get rid of? Or is it B, what you love and what you want to get more of? So that's your language. Number three is about feelings. And so are you the person who A, feels judged or criticised by other people a lot of the time based on their words or body language? Or are you more like a B person? You don't really notice how other people act around you and you don't have any thoughts about what they might be implying in their words or language. A, thinking that other people might be judging or criticising you. Or B, not really noticing what other people are doing. And the last one is about your actions. And this ties into some of those indicators I mentioned earlier. You know, think about yourself when you're in a stressful situation, when you've had a tough day, would you be the kind of person who would use food, alcohol, shopping or other tools to shut down negative thoughts and try and avoid the uncomfortable feelings? That's an A. Or are you B, after the stressful day, you would be using journaling, coaching, reflection, meditation, yoga, walking in nature, or connecting with other people to redirect your negative thoughts on purpose. So have a look at your answers. Like Think about were you mostly A's or mostly B's? And some people might be split in the middle, which tells you, you know, which areas of your life might be going okay and which ones may not be. But if you've got mostly A's, it probably means that you're a glass half empty person because you're tending to look toward the negative. And if your answers were mostly B's, then you're a glass half full person. Maybe to make it easier, just look at those first three questions. You're going to get either two out of three or three out of three A's or B's and that will tell you which way you're wired. And then for the last question, the one about food, alcohol, shopping versus walking in nature, the, the question about how do you deal with negative thinking. Perhaps 
look at whether or not you're using unhealthy tools or healthy tools to manage your stress and negative thoughts. If you're using unhealthy tools, it means you either have a lack of self-awareness or perhaps you need some skills to help you change your negative thoughts. And if you answered B's that you're using mostly healthy tools like meditation, journaling, walking outside after you've had a bad day, when you're under a lot of stress, it probably means that you have the skills to redirect your thinking most of the time. So if you'd like to do that quiz in a written form, check out the show notes and there's a link there for a short document for you to download. And if you're in my monthly um, self-coaching membership, there is a longer quiz with a little more detail in for you to get a more definitive answer. So make sure you check out um, the December uh, membership area and you can download the full quiz there. So, you know, you've got this level of awareness now. You've got a bit of an understanding of how the brain works, how negative thought works, why we do it, and what sort of person you might be. Um, you know, should you bother to do something? That's kind of the question. Is it, isn't it natural to feel negative? Shouldn't you just go with the flow and maybe just be a bit more careful? Totally up to you. If you feel like you're 100% fulfilled and satisfied with your life, kicking all the goals that you want to kick, doing what you want to do, getting enough time for yourself, feeling good a lot of the time, feeling connected with people, achieving things, getting enough fun in your life, you're probably okay. You don't need to do anything else other than what you're doing. But, you know, if you're craving or desiring something, if you're feeling like you're missing out or you wish you were different or you wish you could reach your goals but you're kind of spinning your wheels, then I'd encourage you to think about, you know, taking some action, being a bit proactive and putting some things in place to help you change your negative thinking or to build more positivity. And I want to give you 10 powerful tools to do both. There's five tools here that help you to change your negative thinking and five that help you create more positive thoughts. You ready? If you need to grab a pen and write these down, you might want to do this because I'm going to suggest these are highly actionable tips. You can do them every day and they're super effective. I've used all of these with my clients and for massive results. And for some people, it's just been one coaching session like I had a call today with somebody and we spoke last week and a week later, everything is 180 degrees different in her life simply because she applied a couple of the tools that I'm about to mention. So I really want to share that with you. And um, I'm going to start by talking about rewiring your thinking first. So if you're somebody that tends to get bogged down with negative thoughts, could be a judgment or a criticism, or maybe you end up in a bit of a rabbit hole, a downward spiral in certain situations. You could use any of these five tools to help you dig yourself out of that hole or avoid going there in the first place. Now, as I talk through each one of these, I'd like you to just really check in with yourself and see which one you think would be best for you to start experimenting with. It might take a couple of goes to find the right one for you. So just know that there are five here to do with thinking, changing your negative thinking, and you need to pick the best one for you. The first one is something any of us can do. 
as I mentioned earlier, your tendency to be glass half full or empty, according to researcher Nancy F. Etkoff, um, you know, is partly influenced by your environment. About 30% of your tendency is influenced by your environment. So when you think about that, you know, look at where you're spending your most time. If it's your office or if it's at home, look around you. What do you notice and how does it make you feel? What are the sights that you see each day? What are the sounds that you hear each day? How do the colours around you make you feel? How much clutter is there in your environment and what does that do? Just take some, a few moments to reflect on that and do a bit of a mental audit or write some notes even better. I've got the walls painted in my study here, this soft green, because it's really calming for me. It's not too stark or bright or loud. It allows me to get into the zone to do great work. I always clear the clutter off my desk and I progressively declutter my house and my inbox every week so I don't have this accumulation of stuff in the background that's stressing me. That's so important. And if you're someone that's trying to lose weight and eat better, know that the fast food companies use reds, yellows and oranges in their branding because they're the hot dog colours and they make you hungry. So have a look in your kitchen. If you're using red or yellow or orange plates or if your kitchen is coloured that way, know that you're probably going to eat more food in volume because of the stimulation effect of those colours. Also think about the people in your life, the people that you spend time with. How many of those interactions are stressful? And look at your media diet. Are you somebody that comes home and turns the news on and you have three or four hours of negative news blaring at you? Or do you come home and put on soothing music? Everything around you that you're passively taking in is being noticed by your unconscious mind and that's creating a thought in response. You can do your bit to change your total environment, the colours, the sounds, the sights, and make it more amenable to positive and relaxed thinking. I know somebody that had to actually move house because of noise. The noise in their house, they were working from home, was so stressful. I couldn't handle it anymore. And all I could think about was this noise. So really pay attention. This is a big one. It can make a huge difference to your thinking patterns. So that's number one of the um, tools that you can use to change negative thoughts. Another one is affirmations or inspirational quotes. I really love these and a lot of people use them but I think it's more authentic and meaningful if you create your own statement. The best way to do this, I think, is to come up with a vision, and I've got a separate podcast on that that I'll link to in the show notes. A vision is how you'd like your ideal life to be. And if you could bring that down into your own daily mantra, for example, I want to be fit, free, and fantastic, whatever it is, or I want to, be, I want to wake up and feel strong, powerful, and invincible, Think of two or three words you could say to yourself that would create the energy that you want to create for yourself. You can definitely use somebody else's affirmations, but I highly recommend writing your own because it's believable, it's more relevant, and I think that your brain will latch onto that and take it in better because you own it. I don't have any scientific backing for that. It's just my personal opinion. So that's another one, create affirmations or come up with inspirational quotes that help you to feel positive and 
achieve what you want to achieve. The next three exercises are game changers. I suggest writing these. In fact, all of these first five are best written because it's the best way to plug them into your reticular activating system. Remember your brain's GPS as the coordinates that you want to head to as your final destination. But um, this third one is really powerful. And there's, there's two different thought change models I want to mention here. One's called ABCDE and one's called CTFAR. So the first one is changing the way you respond to a particular event. And the second one was developed by Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School. I'm a huge fan of hers. She's got some amazing stuff. And her model is um, changing your thoughts in response to a circumstance, identifying the feeling that you get from the new thought, the action that you'll take and the result that you will get. So they're very similar models but I would advise you to have a Google of those two, CTFAR or ABCDE model, and learn how to use those tools. But really briefly, you could look at it as a three-step process. You need to catch your thoughts. You need to watch how you're responding to different situations in the day and notice what your brain's coming up with. And that's your automatic thought. What you want to do then is rewrite that so that it's more neutral or factual. Just one alternate statement that you feel is believable. It must be something that's believable. And then you notice how the feeling is different and what that creates for you. So interesting, this client that I spoke to today had this experience and she thought that when she got up, she must have a coffee in order to get out of bed and she must have a coffee after lunch to take the taste of lunch out of her mouth. They were her beliefs, right? The things that she was saying to herself repeatedly. And so what she did this last week was when that thought came up after lunch, she thought, I don't need a coffee. I just need something to take the taste out of my mouth. She totally believed that, that she needed something to take the taste out of her mouth after lunch and she had something else instead of coffee. So during the week, she was able to drink less coffee because of that one shift in thinking. The other thing that she did was she used to tell herself, I need a coffee to get going in the morning. And guess what? She delayed her first coffee until 11, 12 o'clock and then went, oh, actually, I don't need a coffee to get going in the morning. So her coffee consumption has gone down dramatically in one week. She's sleeping better and she's less stressed because she doesn't have all that stimulation running through her veins of multiple coffees. See how powerful that simple thought change can be? You can do this right away. Five minutes a day, it's all it takes. Number three, sorry, number four is self-coaching or gratitude or appreciation journaling. And this is simply taking time at the end of the day to reflect on three things that you're grateful for, three things that you achieved or three things that you appreciate in the world. And this is just helping to counterbalance any of the negative thoughts you might have had and to reflect on what you've actually achieved, what you're happy about, and to bring things back to, hey, things aren't so bad. Really awesome exercise, and a lot of people do this already. And the fifth one, which I think is really important, is to make plans. A lot of people feel stressed and overwhelmed, and the quickest way to get out of that is to write a to-do list or to do one small action, like put some papers in the bin and reshuffle the papers on your desk. 
it takes that little action just making a to-do list or tidying up one little thing can suddenly make you feel like you can get going again the other thing that you could do is to write a vision and I mentioned earlier that they have another podcast on how to do this writing a vision talks about how you would like your life to be and what it would feel like to be there how good it would feel now immediately you're going to flick out into the positive and see what's great in the world and see what you have to look forward to so any of those types of things will cause good feelings to come flooding in and it's just a matter of instead of doing nothing write something down then your brain will see it and it will replace that negative thought with something more positive so those five things are all really important I use these as tools in my monthly membership all of them because I think it's so easy to be pulled into the negative you've got perhaps you know 40 or 50 years 30 years of expertise and automaticity in these negative thoughts you're an expert at it perhaps it's happening under your nose without you realizing it so I like to use all of these with my clients and in my membership so that people have a regular practice of just rewiring those natural thoughts. Then there's building resilience. And I know that some of those things I mentioned do build resilience, but I, I kind of feel like they're more wired toward changing your thinking. But let's talk about some ways to build resilience, five ways, and that'll give you the total of 10 strategies Number one is to schedule everything. I mean, overwhelm is when you seemingly have so many things to do, no clear path to get there and so little time to get things done. And it usually happens, and I see this in many of my clients, um, because we have no plans at all or a lack of detail in our plans or we have unrealistic expectations. And the really, really interesting thing is that as soon as you write things down in detail, in your diary like specific single actions suddenly you realize that you can't do everything in a day but you write down all the things you can do and you'll get them done so incredibly powerful like I've been through this myself here's how it used to play out for me I put a task in my diary like a project level task for a Friday afternoon and it would be review and revise website now you can imagine what would happen you know a week would go by and I'd come to the Friday and I'd look at that task review and revise website and I'd think what does that task mean I've got seven pages on my website there's got different themes different colors different styles I've got plugins I've got antivirus stuff I've got comments what am I reviewing and revising and, and could I really do that in the two hours I've got allocated Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just put it off till next Friday. End of the year comes <laughs> and there's this task sitting there, well, more than one, that's been accruing over months because I have no idea what it is specifically or how long it'll take. It seems too big and unwieldy, so I'll just put it off. And what I should have done is just broken that down into a series of small individual tasks, delegated some of them and done the ones that I thought I could do in reasonably scheduled time. I'm sure that you've done a version of this yourself because everybody does this, apart from the few very good planners around. So keep it keen, uh, like, you know, every month make a plan for your work, for your life, for your personal goals. 
keep it lean, focused and clear. One thing per day that you're going to focus on, nice and specific and keep it clean, simple and achievable. Keen, lean and clean. That's my strategy for planning. Do it regularly, keep it simple and keep it very, very specific and focused. Down to the quantities or amounts, as in which, how many blog pages are you going to review today or how many days per week and at what times are you going to go shopping for healthy food? Be that specific and suddenly, it'll be uncomfortable at first, but suddenly oh, it'll be such a relief. You'll get things done and you'll feel less overwhelmed. And that's creating more positive thoughts. You'll feel like you're achieving things. The second one is to meditate. And a lot of people know about this already. I mean, you could you can sit quietly or you can have a guided meditation, but I like active meditation. I like walking through the bush thinking of nothing or listening to music. I like going for a surf, being in the ocean. You know, there's being in my garden, pulling weeds, potting plants. There's so many ways you can get out and do nothing in your mind, but you can still be physically active in your body. So I'd encourage you to find a way to meditate. That's number two of my building resilience uh, list. Find a way for you to empty your mind and get some mental time out that you're not constantly stressing or thinking about things. All of the, the negative thoughts will kind of simmer down when you can find enough time to do this. The next one is schedule time off. This was a big lesson for me. I realised that working relentlessly year in, year out, day in, day out, just caused stress. And my best and most creative thinking times were when I took a holiday or when I had a weekend off. When I was listening to an inspirational podcast, when I was with friends. So now, even though I love my work, even though I feel driven to do certain things in my personal life, I have a blackout on the weekend, no computer time, no emails, and usually no phone either. And I have a three-week three week holiday in the middle of the year and a couple of weeks off at Christmas. You need to schedule time off because that's where you refill your energy, your enthusiasm, and your vitality. It's a little bit like kids, you know, they have this summer holiday and then at the end they're bored and they're itching to get back to school. That's what you want to create in your life. Even athletes have time off. They have periodized training. They train up for competition, you know, like the AFL or, or any other sport. And then they have a few months of cross training and doing other things. That's how we're meant to work. We're meant to live in tune with the cycles of nature. You've got to have time off. Number four on the list, say no, delegate or delete. And often we have so many responsibilities. We're so used to doing things that our default position is yes. Do you find yourself saying yes to everything without even thinking about it and then going, oh, I didn't realise I'd said yes. I didn't mean to say yes. I should have checked my schedule. I didn't think about how much energy I'd have on that Sunday. Oh, now I feel like I have to do it. You see how the negative thoughts can creep in? It's much better for you to stand back from the commitment that's in front of you and think, do I have the energy? Do I have the time for this? And how do I feel if I commit to this? If you feel uncomfortable about committing or pressured, that's going to create negative thoughts. So only do the things that you can bring your positive energy to. And that's going to save you from going down that rabbit hole. Number five, such an easy one breathe. 
breathing is a beautiful way to interrupt the negative thought process and to create a really calming positive feeling and most of us um, are sitting here shallowly mouth breathing kind of like a like this in and out without really drawing breath in through the nose and deep into the lungs and through the diaphragm I'd encourage you to look up Dr. Wheel, W-E-I-L, um, who has a method called the 478 breathing, which is you exhale deeply, uh, close your mouth and inhale to a count of four, hold your breath for a count of seven, exhale again with a whooshing sound to a count of eight. Do that four times and you've calmed down. That in itself is a kind of meditation. It's so powerful, portable easy and anybody can do it so doing that breathing work or some form of a breathing exercise is going to create a positive and calm feeling in your body and that's going to generate more positive thoughts i could make a much bigger list than that but there are 10 things that you can do just to help simmer down the negative thoughts and to build more resilience so now you're probably going, wow, that's overwhelming. <laughs> There's a list of 10 things to do. What next? I'm going to say just pick one of them. Go through the list, have a listen, replay this podcast, look at your notes, pick one thing and experiment with it. And, you know, how often should you be doing it? Well, I'd say, you know, if you've been an expert in negative thinking for 30 plus years, it's going to take a bit of time to work that out of your memory banks and to rewire your thinking patterns. And, you know, remember that your biology seeks to drive you to the negative and that might be happening around 35,000 times a day of, you know, 70% of your total thoughts. So while that's going on as a behind-the-scenes process, you need a routine to help you to actively counterbalance the negative thoughts and build up the good stuff. So in terms of how often and how much, um, I look to positive psychology researcher Barbara Fredrickson, who wrote a great book called Positivity. And she says that her research shows we need around three to five positive feelings to outweigh one negative feeling in a day, in any given day. So if you have... You know, if you had five negative thoughts, you'd need 15 to 25 positive thoughts to counteract the negatives. Now, I'm not saying you should try and pin down every one of those, but I think what this illustrates is that you might want to pick one or two negative, extreme, intense, uncomfortable negative feelings, just one from each day, and try one of those tools I mentioned. Maybe just the breathing, maybe the journaling. See what has the biggest effect on you. See what has the most powerful effect. Work through the tools one a week for 10 weeks, something like that, to help you start to manage your thoughts. And I'd just say pick a really small goal. I wouldn't even say to do it every day at first. It'll take you time to create a habit. I'd say pick a tool that I've mentioned today, one of the 10. Do it for 10 minutes once a week or three times a week. See how it makes a difference. Decide whether you'll keep doing that or try something else. Work through it until you've developed your own strategy and your own plan for lowering your amount of negative thoughts, lowering the intensity of your negative thoughts and cultivating a more positive mindset. A little bit like brushing your teeth. It's those little things that we do every day that keep the plaque at bay. Just like your teeth, 
same thing in your brain. I hope you've really enjoyed going through this today and taken away some exciting tips that you can use right away to change the way you think. And if you'd like to explore a framework and a system for managing your thinking, that's part of what we cover in my monthly Habitology membership. So there's a link below that you can find out more if you're interested in that. Otherwise, it's been so great to talk to you today. I'm really keen to know how you go with applying some of these tools. So please drop me a line and let me know. Leave me a comment. Make yourself a plan and you know, get in touch. Let, let me know how you went. Thanks for being here and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.